Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. This week, Heather and I are talking about the future of counseling and supervision. This week, we read What the Future Holds for the Counseling Profession, published in Counseling Today 2012. This is an older article, but we felt like it was relevant to the beginning of a new year. Heather, uh, some points that they made in the article included the impact of technology in counseling. We've definitely felt that this year, right. this past year. Definitely uh, this year is different than any time before. Mm-hmm. What do you think, looking forward, will change the more technology becomes a part of counseling? I think even in my own practice, and actually in supervision as well, as we've gotten more comfortable with mm-hmm. technology and doing um, sessions or supervision supervision over that platform, it almost becomes a great like backup pro like oh I'm not able to make it in can we still keep doing oh. virtual? It's a good just in case. Right, it's a good backup plan. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, that says something that we still both see that as an alternative, <laughs> right? As not the primary way of doing counseling or supervision, but a good enough right. Alternative. I, I often have had the thought recently of, I keep thinking I want to be back with all of my clients in person. Like, I keep mm-hmm. thinking in my head that's ideal, mm-hmm. but I wonder what that's going to be like to go back yeah, that's true. in person. So you, you've been thinking the ultimate goal is that someday we'll all be back in the office. Right. But am I wrong? Or, am, you know, like, is that I not- think so. I think we're, I'm with enough clients moving towards virtual and realizing it's makes it possible for them to mm-hmm. be in therapy consistently. I do think there are going to be people who don't return right to the office. To the office. I have mm-hmm. actually, I know of at least a handful of my clients that w- want to stay virtual, mm-hmm. that it's easier for them on their lunch hour at work to pop on a session than it is to drive to my mm-hmm. office. Yeah. I think it reflects our level of comfort that you and I are thinking we still prefer in person, Mm -hmm. but there are plenty of people who are, have you heard the term technology natives? Oh, yes. Yes. So our clients that are technology Mm -hmm. natives feel more comfortable virtual than they do in person. Well, and we have a whole class of supervisees, associates that only have done virtual. True. So yeah. they haven't. I don't know. Experience. I don't personally have any, but there absolutely are. I have one that has only had about twenty in-person sessions mm-hmm. over, and I think their hour count is somewhere in the three hundreds. Hmm. Wow! So that's not a lot of face-to-face in in the office time, right? As a supervisee or a counselor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. This, this got me brainstorming other things, other technology that we might use. And I, I was just about to say as a workaround. And so again, <laughs> thinking right. in-person is preferred versus virtual, but not for everybody. Um, but some things that I think technology will help us uh, fill the gap with. Um, what if you have substance abuse clients that need a urine analysis? Right. Or mm-hmm. all of the eating disorder clients that I've seen that need vitals taken and their weight right. taken right. on a regular basis. I think we're going to find new ways to address those things. I think it'll it'll be a necessary thing. And I think it will also be something that as we go forward, it's something a counselor will be more inclined to offer than not. Mm-hmm. Where before, maybe we stepped back and we didn't always jump into some of those like things as comfortably. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, one, I don't, I don't think it's working well yet. We haven't found the exact 
combination, but there is a scale that a client can have at home that doesn't have a screen. Oh. So they can't see right? when they step on the scale, they don't see the weight, but you can connect through an app that then tells your clinician right. what your weight is. Well, that would be helpful. Um, and I've seen uh, similar apps or tools for recording meals, mm -hmm. um, keeping track of exercise. Right. Maybe even, maybe there's a potential to keep track of other positive coping skills, like mm -hmm. if you are meditating right. or doing deep breathing, that there might be an app that you could connect with your counselor yes. using. Yes, I know there are a few out there, but mm -hmm. I don't know that they're widely used, and I think there is still that... Um, unknown about like what does this really tell my account like from the user side like mm -hmm. how much access does my counselor then have to my information well i th i think what you're describing uh, on the client's part is true on the counselor's part as well yes that the counselor could think is this an accurate weight mm -hmm. are you actually standing on your scale with right. you know a pound of a, a bag of flour right and i don't know it because i'm not there mm -hmm. but i mean so i think so maybe there is some mm, I don't know if I want to use the word mistrust, but it could be though. Uh, and when using right. tools like this, right? Um, even think maybe it's been nine months ago now, or at least six months ago, where everyone's Zoom calls were being oh, crashed. Packed. Yes, yes, packed. Uh -huh. Yeah, that I feel like there's a level of caution or distrust. And how does this work exactly? Right. Do we have complete privacy? Mm -hmm. And could someone jump into this call without us? being prepared or knowing right. or being ready for that. Right. It obviously could happen. Mm -hmm. You know, some fun things that I know people are working towards and, and using more and more often are um, interactive right. things that you yes. can use during session. Mm -hmm. um, I think I told you, I and show have shown you that I have a Google Classroom right. where my clients can click on things and interact with mm -hmm. me using the Google Classroom. Um, I've also seen, I don't have a lot of experience with it, electronic or online sand tray. Mm, interesting. Mm -hmm. So right. you can, you get the feel or the idea that you're using sand mm -hmm. and you can choose from a collection of different items to place in the electronic sandbox or okay. the online sandbox. And so then you can change where, it, where it's at, what it's next to, you know. Smart. Very good. And then if you're using Zoom or some other platform, you could then process with your client what right. they've created. Very cool. There are all sorts of like, I think, necessities almost as this becomes more our norm as we mm -hmm. accept that 50% of our practice or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. will be this way. I think there will be more and more great things to come of it. It's figuring out what's the best for your practice. What's the yes. best for what you do? Yeah. So when you say, or when you're thinking the best for what you do, the best for your practice, you're thinking the counselor's lifestyle. Yes. The client's right. lifestyle, right. each of the needs of, mm -hmm. of both the counselor and the client. Yeah. That makes me think, um, you and I were just talking about this, that there are platforms, websites, where both a supervisee or a client can have a session using that website. Right. Um, so have you, do you know any of the names of some of those? Uh, are we talking about the ones that are like better health and mm -hmm. some of those that you mm -hmm. can just have access to a counselor 24 yeah. seven is what I don't, it seems like. <laughs> yes. Well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't yet feel comfortable with that idea, but I can see how it's useful and practical, but I think through better health or other websites similar to that, you can text. Yes. 
So you might have a counselor that you never actually speak to or see. Right. It's all, it's counseling through text. Yes. That's how I understand it. So. Well, I, I think that's one option, mm-hmm. but you can also get an option where you do face-to-face right. virtual counseling. And I think there's also the option to be just audio or just email. Right. I'm and not I, sure. Right. I think there's levels, like mm-hmm. levels of membership. So that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. And I know a couple of the platforms, one of the things that I kind of looked into early on um, when we all went virtual was for a supervisee of mine to see if she could get hours that way or if mm-hmm. that was practical or not. But one of the things that's also tricky is that you're paying a level of membership as a patient or a client. Mm-hmm. That also talks about like what level of care you get, which you're paying a monthly membership, mm. which is different than going to your therapist and paying per session or, or the. So you're saying um, it defers the treatment planning to the client and the website. Right. I mean, you're not of. having any. I wonder how that works. Not is sure. there an ability to for the cl- the counselor involved to impact or recommend? More or less. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I'm not sure. Or is there a point where a website like that might say you're not a good fit? Yeah. Like if it's too intense Mm -hmm. or too severe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Be interesting. But again, that's, I don't know those answers. Maybe I would, I would be more comfortable if I did know those answers. Mm -hmm. Good point. Did you know there are platforms like that, websites like that for supervision? You just told me that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know very much about them. I've known one or two supervisees who were getting supervision that way. And I've known a handful of supervisors who signed up to provide supervision through that type of service. And I don't know that they ever followed through and ended up with a supervisee. So So they don't have something along the way Mm -hmm. made them stop. Yeah. In some way it didn't work for them, but it means that I don't have even secondhand information on what that's like or how it works, but it's out there. Right. I can see that being more straightforward and easy for me to, to adjust to. Yes. I think it's different. It's mm-hmm. very different when you're working with a client versus a supervisor mm-hmm. in that regard. Right. Well, I guess in that, in that example, the expectation of setting the limits mm-hmm. is transferred to the state. Right. 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 The, the state is then deciding what the level of care or support right. is once a week or mm-hmm. four times a month or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I can actually find think about getting more comfortable with that idea than I would uh, counseling. Mm-hmm. That, Have you that, had any clients come to you like that were using an online service and then needed something No, more? I haven't. Mm-mm. I've had one um, mm. that was actually a previous client of mine mm-hmm. that thought they'd try that for a while. I, I hadn't seen them in quite a few years, but they found my name again and reached back out and they said it wasn't it didn't work for them because the interaction wasn't genuine is their wording. Yeah. But I don't know that that doesn't mean it couldn't work for someone else. Sure. I was thinking that for myself, if I were the client in a setting like that, I would at least wonder who is this person I'm talking to. And I'm, I think I would start to wonder, is it the same person every time? Or I just assume it's this, I'm getting responses from the same person every time. Well, and I think there are some out there that aren't the same person every time. Yeah. That it's just... That would be hard for me. This is how I'm feeling today, and it's more reflective. Yeah, that would be hard for me, regardless of whether I was in the counseling role or the client role. Mm -hmm. 
But that brings into the whole yeah. part of counseling relationship and how important that exactly. is. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. I think there's so much to, I think, continue to think about and uncover related to technology and counseling. I mean, we didn't even address that we're doing a podcast right. <laughs> related to supervision and counseling. So there's, I think, a lot of parts of this that I feel like I'm not ready for. I'll mm-hmm. have to get used to it. Right. It will continue to change and shift. Mm-hmm. Heather, the second half of our article this week focused on the universal landscape of counseling and what that means and how it's changing. I think that we kind of touched on this a little bit already with certain things are now going to be like new technology coming out will then almost be expected that a counselor will learn it become certified in it or become at least mm. acknowledge that they use it in their practice. Oh, so are you, you're saying it will become more unusual to, to know a counselor that doesn't do any right. virtual counseling right. or doesn't incorporate doesn't technology it. in right. some way. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. I think you're right. I don't, I, it would be hard to find any counselor that could avoid using this altogether. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, I've been involved in a lot more um, meetings for my clients, like for their school, mm-hmm. for needing something because they've been on Zoom and I've been able to fit that into my day. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it has things have popped. Yeah, up that's like a that. really that's a really positive perspective on it. That like, you're right. It's a shift that mm-hmm. before sometimes outside counselors aren't even included in mm-hmm. five or four meetings or you know anything mm-hmm. like that for the schools. So. I mean, there's a, there's a shift there that kind of, I think now that we have the ability to do it, it might happen more often Yeah. or that some people might meet in person, but other people might be zoomed into the meeting. Yeah, that's right. That's true. I have done that once. It's a little, little tricky, but, um, definitely a benefit that's, um, we wouldn't have accessed Mm -hmm. even two years ago, maybe. Absolutely. Um, when when they talked about the universal landscape of counseling, I was thinking it, that the most obvious example to me that we that counseling as a profession has been working towards for a while is having the uh, national standard provided by KCREP. Yes, and uh, I think that's hugely beneficial. Mm-hmm. But wow, there I what was it two years ago or three years ago? It's, I think it's been ongoing mm-hmm. for a while. But there were some programs that have been really significantly impacted by either needing to be KCREP accredited or accredited by another board or slowly, painfully being put out of business. Right. If they're not going to mm-hmm. kind of meet the curve. Right. You know? So I think that, I mean, that, that affects schools and programs. I think it most personally and intimately affects the students who mm-hmm. are in those programs. Right. And maybe ones that joined a program thinking they were getting one thing. and then Right. That's exactly who standard. I was thinking about. I yeah. know on uh, CESNET's listserv that I'm on, so I get emails all the time from um, counseling professionals chatting back and forth on it through email, that a couple of years ago, there were a lot of students who reached out on CESNET and said, my school's and, you know, closing their program, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Who can I apply to? Where do you think I'll get in? Because they realized they were midstream and they were going to end up not getting their degree. Right. Or not finishing with a degree that they would be able to use in the state that they lived in. Yeah. Without That's... going back and getting more classes. Right. You know, you bring up state that you live in. Another thing looking at that is to be able to have transferable licensing mm-hmm. among states mm-hmm. and it's been so different i know in my experience um i came from california and 
you became a licensed marriage and family therapist. You didn't, there wasn't like, or you were a social worker. I mean, there was other things like you were a social worker, but that's who you were if you were a counselor. Yeah. There wasn't. Oh, well, that, I was going to say that too. I think that that's a different issue. Well, I mean, they all bleed together. Right. That one, if we have a universal license, then we don't have to transfer between states. And I was going to ask you, what do you think the holdup is? Why do we not already have that? I don't know. It seems money. silly that we, well, yes, money. But I'm like, it seems silly that we don't. Right. Like, Counselors, so we, the, the clinicians don't care about that. Right. But a state would be pretty sad to let go of the board that licensed counselors, social mm-hmm. workers, marriage and family therapists, right. psychologists, if the the national government is now somehow managing that, right. they would lose out on that money. Um, that was what but what you mentioned as far as the identity of counselors or clinicians and making that more universal is something that was directly discussed in our article. Right. That while KCREP is moving us in that direction or other governing boards are moving us in the direction of having a universal standard that we, the clinicians, still have some hangups mm-hmm. about how we define ourselves, what we call ourselves, and not necessarily wanting to call ourselves, uh, you know, cover ourselves under one umbrella or, right. ha- or have just one right. title. Right. What do you think? Would How would you feel about not being a marriage and family therapist, but being a counselor? Yeah, I, I think it can go both ways. I think when I got my degree and when I moved here and had to do internship and did different things. I was like, oh, like I felt very like, oh, my degree was a higher degree. I had a a longer master's program Mm -hmm. with more specific requirements. Part of it was the state I was coming from. California Mm -hmm. had different requirements. But also I felt like, oh, I got a good education. Like I felt very proud Mm -hmm. that I had it. So to go to, okay, your name is just counselor. I might be like, oh, but really, what am I? I'm a counselor. Mm-hmm. And so are my colleagues that aren't marriage and family therapists. And mm-hmm. I mean, so part of me goes, does it really matter in the big picture? Mm-hmm. No, but it did to me at one point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, our state, t- Texas, just moved in this direction that all of our provisionally licensed clinicians, even j- just a couple of months ago, right. had different titles. Correct. Per the state. Right. And in the last month or wait, was it November? October, I think. October. Yeah. In October, they now all have the same title as a provisionally licensed mm-hmm. clinician. And I think similar to what we're talking about, some people like that, some people don't. Right. So um, everyone in Texas now is an associate, mm-hmm. which that's what you always were at marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm. You were an associate. Mm-hmm. But oddly enough, I use the word intern still to this day. It's like oh. ingrained in my brain. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I have no idea why I picked up that vocabulary, but yeah. associate is still hard for me to remember to say. I think um, doing the podcast and also knowing that Texas was moving in this direction for, I probably for a couple of years have been just using the word supervisee. Yes. Yes. It works. To cover <laughs> right. everybody. Um but yeah, for different reasons, we're tied to what mm-hmm. we call ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there is actually a big difference between what a social worker does and what a counselor does. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And what a psychiatrist does versus a psychologist. I mean, there mm-hmm. are big differences. Mm-hmm. That would I think that would be nice, actually, to create titles that actually indicated what we do. Right. <laughs> that I think it helps our clients, mm-hmm. our clientele, the public, to know 
what they're getting or what they're not getting. Right. Hmm. Can you think of any other examples of uh, creating a universal landscape of counseling and what that might mean or look like? I think as it continues, I mean, we look at mental health in general and how much more acceptable it is nowadays to have a counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, at my kiddo's last pediatrician checkup, it's been over a year now, but um, one of the things he said to me was by the age 12, one of their goals is to make sure that every kid has a like referral for a counselor. Like How it, interesting. Right. Like it's like a new, like you go to the pediatrician, the dentist and the counselor if you need to. Like. It's huh. out there as a normal That's thing nice. that kids yeah. experience versus being like, surprise, right. you're going the to the exception counselor. Right. To the rule. Hmm. I like this. So maybe universality also means that it is more widely taken advantage of, mm-hmm. appreciated, right. understood, kind of like with the language. Like if everybody had clear language to describe what the mental health provider you were seeing did or does for you. Right then it would be more easily accessed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm one over. I think that's a wonderful right. idea that better access, better quality mm-hmm. of support. I think it it is the shift that we're going to. And it's only for, I mean, I see it as a good thing, not a bad mm-hmm. thing. I have yeah. a client that I saw this fall that is getting, she had to come to counseling because it was required for her school, for schooling. Mm-hmm. She's in a master's program and it is called mental health counselor provider or something like that. It had a very choppy name, Mm -hmm. but I was like, interesting. What does that mean? And she's like counseling, but (laughs) her school has labeled it that. And it's one of those like, so she's a mental health counseling provider is how it's worded. Provider is definitely the end of it. I was like, that is strange. It's very different. In an effort to make it universal or in an effort to make it recognizable. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there are going to be people who have a hard time with both of these types of changes. Absolutely. But that if the goal ultimately is to provide a greater quality of support right. and make it accessible to more people. Well, and clarity I, for right, the population. Right. I think I'd have a hard time arguing against it, though it might be uncomfortable. Right. And I might not always feel completely ready for it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, today we talked about the future of counseling and supervision and where we think we're headed. Thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision.